Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Let's go to the book of Luke, Luke in chapter 1. And we'll be there in just a minute. I just want to say uh, first, I want to tell you thank you. Many of you, of course, have been praying for our family. And uh, the, last, uh, the last three week, three and a half weeks have been crazy. I slept in my bed last night for the third night since February 19th. And it was amazing. And uh, uh, it's been a busy week this week. Preached five times down in San Diego, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Not five times each, but that would be a, that'd be crazy. Uh, but five times there, and then Thursday we had kind of an off day. Friday uh, we got to spend some time with our family. Just went to Sea World and uh, got rained on. Did you know it rains in San Diego a lot? And uh, we had a great time there. And then flew home yesterday. Uh, so for those of you that prayed for us as we were gone, thank you for you praying. Uh, preached at that missions conference there, great church, Victory Baptist Church in El Cajon, and a good friend, Pastor Jason Brown, is a pastor there, and he'll be with us in October. And looking forward to you uh, experiencing Jason Brown. Um, you don't meet him, you experience him, and you'll know what I'm talking about come October. Uh, but we had a good time. So thanks for praying for us, those of you that knew we were gone. If you didn't know we were gone, but you still prayed for us, thank you. If you didn't pray for us, that's okay. Um, I'll try to remember to pray for you this week, too. No, I'm, I'm teasing. Uh, it's good to know people are praying for you, and I'm, I'm glad to be back home, though. So, well, this morning, we are going to start a brand new series. We're going to be in, we're actually going to be in the book of Luke for the next couple of years, um, but we're actually breaking it up into a few different series off and on, and uh, the next one, this one is just a short series, just about four or five weeks, and uh, the title of the series is Hope in Darkness, Hope in Darkness, and before we, before we get into the message today, I want to ask you, have you ever been locked out of somewhere? You've been locked out, and maybe, maybe locked out in the cold, you were locked outside, or maybe you were locked out, how many of you have locked your keys in your car, be honest, how many of you done that, all right? Uh, lock your keys in your car, or you lock yourself outside of your house, and you're trying to break in without the neighbors noticing that you have that one window that can open that nobody should really know about. Um, we were in Israel a few weeks ago. This is before we had to come home uh, for that family emergency, but my, my two sons and I were there. And on one of the days, uh, we, were, uh, we had just finished breakfast, and of course, I'm helping lead this tour, so I'm supposed to be at the bus a little bit early and greeting everybody and you know, kind of fulfilling that role. And so we finished breakfast, and I was like, all right, boys, let's run back up. Let's get our stuff. And so Dennis and I uh, jumped on the elevator. Micah came, and he got on the elevator. We're going up to our room. Right when we got to our floor, uh, Micah was like, hey, Dad, you got the key? And I, you know, idiotically, I gave him the key. And he took the key and he just took off. Micah's running. And he got to the door and he swiped that key and got right in. And then we got to the door and slam, that door shut right in our face. And then I hear the deadbolt. And I pull out my other key and I'm swiping it. Well, those keys, you have to have a master key to unlock a deadbolt or something like that. So I'm swiping it. Nothing's working. And I just hear Micah on the inside. <laughs> just laughing. And I'm knocking. I'm like, dude, we got to be at the bus in like five minutes. Come on. Come on. And he's just laughing, laughing, laughing. I'm swiping the key. It's just going, it doesn't turn green. It's turning red and blinking at me. And then Micah goes, dad, it's unlocked. 
I'm like, it is not unlocked. My key won't work anymore. And somehow, just from him doing the deadbolt, our key wouldn't work. His would, ours wouldn't. And I was sitting there thinking, man, you little brat. I'm going to leave you in Israel. No, man, you've, you've been locked out of something. But have you ever been locked out and you knew the person was on the inside? I mean, I'm not talking even, uh, we've all had times when maybe a sibling or a kid or somebody locked us out of something. Our, your sibling locked you out a lot when you were a kid. But you know what? Have you ever had a time when you were locked out of somewhere and you knew there was someone on the inside, not that they unlocked it intentionally, but you didn't know if they could hear you. You didn't know if they could hear you. You're knocking. Maybe it was you locked yourself out of the house. And you're like, I know they're in there. They're asleep. I've got to wake them up. And you're pounding and you're knocking. And man, you can't for the life of you get in. And then to make matters worse, the sun is setting. It's getting dark. You're cold. It starts to rain. Soon that rain turns to hail. And you're out there miserable. Now, maybe you've never been in that specific of a situation but I guarantee you that there are times in your life that have happened and there are times in your life that will happen when you feel like that with God. Times in your life when you feel like, God, I've been, I've been knocking. I don't feel like you've been answering. God, I've been here and God, God I feel like I'm on the outside, locked out. And you're on the inside. Oh, God, I know you're not snickering at me. But God, there have been times when, if I can word it this way, when, God, I just feel out in the darkness. God, I feel like it's just dark and it's raining and sometimes it begins pouring. Let's be honest, all of us have been there. And if you haven't been there, mark it down, it w you will get there. A time when you feel like God is distant a time when you feel like maybe God isn't answering, a time when you feel like maybe God isn't listening, a time when you feel as though you are on the outside and God is on the inside. The short series that we're going to look at for the next few weeks is just titled Hope in Darkness. What do we do on those times when we, are, when we maybe are at a dark place or a time when we feel like we are left out? What do we do during those seasons of darkness? And we're going to come this morning to Luke chapter number one, and we're going to discover what God did and what God showed the people of Israel and specifically a character in our story today, a man by the name of Zacharias. We're going to discover what God did and what God showed them during their season of darkness. Before we get to it, we need to to know how dark things were for the people of Israel. As you come to the book of Luke, all right, the book of Luke, the three, the third of the four gospels, and of course, every gospel highlights something different about Jesus Christ. And Luke, he wrote the book of, of Luke or the letter of Luke to Theophilus, to a ruler there in, in um, Judea at the time, Jerusalem at the time. He wrote this. And Luke's purpose in this was to show that the everything that, that Theophilus had heard about Jesus was true, that Jesus was in fact the Christ and that Jesus was the miracle worker and that Jesus was the promised Messiah. But what we need to understand is that the events in the book of Luke, when the events of the book of Luke transpire, when the book opens up, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, they're at a dark place. 
They're at a dark place economically. Why are they at a dark place economically? Because Herod is the king at this time. Herod the Great. We can find out, you can find out so many things about Herod the Great. He was married uh, nine, many believe, ten times. He had a few of his wives put to death. He had a few of his own children put to death because he was scared of insurrection. Um, Herod is the one, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse number 16, tells us how, uh, how ruthless and how brutal Herod was, was after Jesus was born. You know the story that Herod sent, and of course those wise men, the magi from the east had come and were worshiping, uh, going to worship the child Jesus. And Herod said, well, tell me so that I can, I can worship him as well. But he didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. And Matthew 2, 16, Herod sends his soldiers. This is how ruthless he was. He sends his soldiers to kill every child that is two years old or under in all of the coast of Israel, all the area of Bethlehem, all the way to the coast of Jaffa. That's how ruthless Herod the Great was. I mean, he was, he was absolutely just uh, uh, heinous in what he did. So they're under, that, they're, under, they're under that politically. Economically, they are under Rome. Politically, they're under Rome, the Jewish people. They have no hope. They believe that the Messiah is going to come and deliver them, but they are just at a, at a dark place. Spiritually, religiously, they're in a dark place. Why are they in a dark place religiously? Because spiritually, they had not had open prophecy. They hadn't had someone come up and say, hey, here's a message from God. They had not had that in over 400 years. Now, while they did have people who were worshiping God, and we'll see that even today, they had people who were staying true to God, even in times of darkness. Uh, Many of the religious leaders were not. The religious leaders had actually taken the, the uh, relationship with God that the people were supposed to have, and they had tried to make money off of it. And so the religious leaders, they had turned uh, religion into, into profit, and they were leading the people uh, in so many wrong areas. And I don't have time to just go down the road. I'm just trying to lay uh, a little bit of a foundation to say the people of Israel at this time, they were in a very dark place. Spiritually, politically, economically, socially, everything about it was just darkness. And we're going to see from our story, and we can safely, under, we can safely assume this from the passage, that they had been knocking. The people felt like they were on the outside, and God was on the inside. God, where are you? In our dark places, what did God teach them, and what can we learn from this that can help us in our dark times? That's the first principle we're going to understand this morning. So let's stand, let's take our Bibles, and let's go to the book of Luke. Luke in chapter number one. Luke in chapter number one this morning. And we're going to begin in verse number five. Beginning in verse number five of Luke chapter number one. The first four verses, just so you know, the first four verses, Luke is just simply... um, He's, he's introducing the letter. He's writing why he would write it to Theophilus. And you can go and you can read those. But let's begin in verse number five of Luke chapter number one. The word of God says this. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abi. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. I want to stop right there and just say, 
Even though the season may be dark in life, it's good to remain faithful to the Lord. Hey, here's two people that we're going we're gonna to see, and they had their doubts, and they had their frustrations, but even in the, a cultural darkness, political darkness, spiritual darkness, I love that we read that uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias, they were righteous. They wanted to be right with God. They wanted to walk in the law of God. They wanted to live before God blameless. Faithfulness in spite of circumstances. I love it. Notice next it says, they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for, I, for thy prayer is heard. And the wife Elizabeth, she shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. We're going to stop right there. If you've been in church for any length of time, uh, you perhaps know the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. But to help us all be on the same page, kind of a reminder today about who they were. Zacharias is a priest before God. His lot, he, draw, he drew the responsibility of this time of serving, of going in, the, in and, and uh, offering incense at the altar of incense in the, in the temple. And this particular time, this particular time as he's offering incense, something different takes place. Something different takes place in his life and in his season of darkness and in his wife's seasons of darkness and in the people of Israel's season of darkness. We find some great answers that can help us in ours. And so this morning, I just want to pray. I want to ask the Lord to help us today and we'll look into his word. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take just a minute and in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray and would you ask God to speak to you today? Ask God to help you today. And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me, I'm going to listen to you. God, I want to hear from you. I want to respond to you. God, would you help me today? Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your word. And I pray that you would help us as we look into your word, that you would speak to us. I pray that you'd speak through me. I do humble myself before you, Lord, and I recognize that this is your word, and I pray that you would help me to deliver it according to your will. God, I pray that you'd speak to my heart today. Thank you for even how you worked in my life already today, and I pray that you would uh, just help us in these next few minutes together. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> As we come to the first part of our study, I want you to help me finish some of these slogans. If you know the slogan, you can just kind of shout it out if you know it. Motel 6 said, we'll leave, we'll leave the light on for you. All right, we'll leave the light on for you. Uh, Allstate Insurance, here's what Allstate Insurance says. You're in good hands. You're in good hands. State Farm Insurance, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. How about Energizer? 
energizer. They say it just keeps it just keeps going and going and going. Walmart, save money, live better. Some of, yeah. Ford, theirs is built to last. You know, over the course of all of the years, companies, organizations, departments, Different groups have made it their priority to help you and I as a consumer know this. You can trust us. Your money is safe with us. All other insurance companies, they pale in comparison to our insurance company. All other batteries, they are completely pointless compared to our batteries. Our store is the best. Our vehicle is the best. Our hotel is the best. Whatever it is, they want you and I as consumers to recognize they are the best. What are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to get us to believe that they, 100% of the time, they will make things right. They are in control. They are the best one to invest in. But let's be honest. The truth is this today. No company, no business, no organization can guarantee 100% fulfillment all the time. Has anybody, uh, have any of you ever been let down by any of the companies I just named? Okay, yes. Just about everybody would. Well, what would we say? We would say, you know what? I believe that they have something good for me. I believe that they might have a good product for me, but I know I can't trust in them completely. You know, this morning, the principle that we're going to start with and the thought that we're going to end with is this. Companies like to say you are in good hands. Companies like to say that you can trust them. Companies like to say your comfort is their priority, but no one can deliver 100% on their promises. But can I tell you this morning that we don't serve a company, we serve a faithful God. And I just want to start today by saying this truth that we will come back to, the title of the message is this, that you can rest assured. Rest assured of what? Hey, there are some principles in the word of God in your seasons of darkness that you can rest assured of. There's four truths that I want us to see from Luke chapter number one of some things that we can rest assured of in our times of darkness. I want you to notice them with me first today is this. In your times of darkness, you can rest assured that we have a God who listens. We have a God who listens. Our story opens up Zechariah. He is the priest. He is serving in his Role He is fulfilling his role. And as he is there doing his, his duty, his responsibility, what happens? An angel appears. That's a little out of the ordinary. Now, for you and I, we read the story and we're like, well, it's Bible times. Angels appeared. No, they hadn't had open prophecy. They hadn't had anything, heard anything from God for over 400 years. Over 400 years, they hadn't heard anything. And so what happens? This angel appears and the Bible says this, that Zechariah, he's troubled. The word troubled, it means agitated. It means fearful to the core. I don't know about you, but he probably passed out. Uh, That's what I think. I think he passed out. I don't know. I don't know for certain. And I really think we could, we can't derive that from the passage, but man, he is fearful. He is troubled. 
And notice what the angel says to him. Look at verse number 12. The angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, notice the phrase, for thy prayer is heard. Thy prayer is heard. In knowing what we know from the passage, here's a couple of things that we need to understand. What is Zacharias's prayer? Okay, number one, we know from the passage that him and Elizabeth, they were without children. Now that would actually, we'll see uh, Elizabeth say it in a minute, that would have been a reproach in those days for you not to have a child, for a lady not to bear children. Uh, that would have been something that looked, people looked down upon. So we know that Zacharias and Elizabeth, that they are praying for a child. And God is going to show us that in the scripture here in just a minute. But we also know that Zacharias is a spiritual leader for the people. So what else could we lean into that he perhaps is praying for? I believe that Zacharias is praying for hope. We know that the, believe, that the Jews, they prayed for the coming Messiah. They still do. Those that don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, all the priests, all of them, they pray regularly for the coming of the Messiah. They pray for hope. So we have to know today that Zacharias, he is praying for hope in darkness. Personal hope in darkness, him and Elizabeth, they are at a dark place, barren, childless. They are wondering, God, where are you? God, why aren't you doing something? We know then as a religious leader that he is praying for the darkness that they as a, as a, uh, um, uh, as a people group, that they as a nation are facing. So here's Zacharias and all of his prayer. And here's what God says. Your prayer is heard. Hey, your prayer is heard. Zacharias, God has been listening to you in this moment. Fear not. Why? Because God is listening to you. What a statement. You have the ear of God turned toward you. Zacharias, you don't need to be afraid. Why? Because God's ear is open to you. Now, while we know that in this specific instance in Luke chapter number one, that God is speaking directly to Zacharias, that Zechariah, your prayer is being heard. We need to be reminded this morning that this principle is taught all throughout scripture, that God hears the prayers of his people. Hey, I'll tell you this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, listen, you can mark it down. The principle that's on the screen, God is listening to you as well. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 14, it says this. This is the confidence. Hey, this is something that we can know. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Now, I understand there are some places in Scripture where the Bible says that our sin causes God not to hear from us or that God chooses not to respond. I think of Psalm chapter uh, 66 and verse number 18. If I regard or hold iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But here's the truth. The truth today is this, that... When you and I, with a right heart, come before God, God hears every single time. Hey, in your season of darkness, can I remind you of something? God listens to you. You know, you're standing out there knocking. God's not asleep. God, God can hear you. He's listening to you. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. 
Do you see that phrase that his ear, neither his ear heavy? I've got a confession. Uh, this week is a busy week. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't the nicest person to be around on Thursday. It's just it's my confession. Thursday was a rough day for Dennis Fountain. I was tired. I woke up tired. I woke up frustrated. Uh, it was just one of those days, you know, you just want to crawl back in bed, turn the lights back out, and try it again. And in the day, I know some of you thought, man, pastors don't have bad days. Thursday was a bad day because in the day, we were traveling, we were moving from where we were staying in one town and going to go. We'd gotten a hotel in a little town called Del Mar, right outside of San Diego that we're going to stay at for a couple days. And so in the day, there was, there was two or three times throughout the day that I just kind of, you know what I mean by snapping at someone? I just kind of snap. And there was one point in particular during the day that we were sitting somewhere and they were, our family was doing something and Lena did something and I just went, hey, stop it. And she just went and just looked at me and then looked at Hannah. I looked at her and I looked at Hannah. I was like, that, did that come out harsh? <laughs> and Hannah was like, yeah, so I turned to Lena. I said, Lena, I'm sorry, honey. I apologize. Would you forgive me? And you know what had happened is because of, because of my own decision, but because of maybe some stress and pressure, my ear had become heavy. What do you mean by that? I didn't want to hear the voices of those closest to me. Well, it wasn't that I didn't like them. It was like, in this moment, I have so much going on, I don't even want to hear you talk. Aren't you thankful God's not like that? <laughs> Aren't you thankful God doesn't ever go, would you stop talking? <laughs> Aren't you glad God doesn't do that? Man, God, his ear is never heavy. His ear is not heavy. What does that mean? He doesn't get burdened with your voice. Man, God doesn't get overwhelmed with your prayer. God doesn't get burdened by you knocking. Hey, you know what we can derive from Luke chapter number one? And again, I understand this is written to them and about their story, but the principles are all throughout the word of God that God listens to his people. I love Psalm chapter 34 and verse number 17, where David wrote, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all of their troubles. Hey, when you are going through your seasons of darkness, what can we rest assured in? I can rest assured in the principle that we have a God who listens and doesn't shut me out. Hey, God is listening to you. During your season of darkness, God listens to you. What else can we rest assured in today? Well, we can rest assured in this thought that we have a God who not only hears, but we have a God who will answer. Hey, we have a God who will answer. Here's what Zacharias heard. Fear not, Zachariah, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Hey, Zachariah, you don't need to be controlled by fear because God is listening to you, and God is going to answer you. Zachariah, God has heard you, and God will answer you. 
We can safely know that they had been praying this for years. We can know from Luke 24 and 25 that Elizabeth knew that she was a reproach. You notice verse number 25, her prayer, thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. She knew that, that if she didn't have a child, that she was a reproach among men. And so she had been praying this. And here's what God came through Gabriel and said to him, God not only heard you, but God is answering you. Can I say this morning that we can see the principles in Scripture about this point as well, that God is hearing you and I, and God is an- he will answer. But here's the thought I want to ask you today. God is listening. God will answer in his time, but can you trust him with his answer? You see, that's where the hard part comes in. Hey, God always answers his people, but sometimes the answer is no. Hey, sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says, I know you don't understand it, but no, that's not going to be the best. Sometimes, can 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 I speak from personal story? Sometimes you pray for miracles and God says no. You pray for healing and God says no. You pray for an answer. Like, God, why? And God says, I'm not going to tell you that right now. Let me, let me ask you this. Just because God said no, does it make him less God? So the challenge then comes back to me. When he says no, can I trust him? Can I trust him in the no? You ever had to tell your kids No. <laughs> And you know why, but they don't know why. And your kids are like, Dad, can I do this? Mom, can I do this? You're like, no. And they're like, why? And you're like, and you say these words, just trust me. That's what you say. Every parent has said them. Every child has heard it. Dad, can we do that? Mom, can we do that? No. Why not? Trust me. Hey, just trust. I can't explain it right now. Just trust me. You know, sometimes in the Christian life, God says no, and he doesn't explain it. He says, just trust me. But let's be honest, that's hard. It is hard to trust what we cannot understand. It's hard to trust when God says no. God's answer sometimes is no, but you know what else God answers? Sometimes God answers, wait. Ah! I don't like waiting. Does anybody like waiting? I don't like waiting. I've been on a lot of planes recently, and uh, there was one trip in specifically. Uh, it was when we were going to, going to Israel that we were stuck in Toronto, Canada, and our plane was going to be 45 minutes late. That 45 minutes, we had already boarded, and they announced, hey, we're going to be leaving in 30, 30 minutes. All right, it's 45 minutes. After 30 minutes, they came on and said, all right, folks, we're actually looking at about another hour. And we're just, I'm already sitting on this plane that I'm about to sit on for 10 and a half hours anyway. I'm like, ugh, after 20 minutes. So now we've been sitting there for about 50 minutes. They came on the plane. They said, folks, there's something mechanically wrong with this plane. We're gonna deboard. We have to get a new plane. We're not gonna take off for about another two hours. Okay, now I'm thankful that that happened there. 
and not in the air, <laughs> over the, you know, ocean. <clears throat> but it ended up, we ended up waiting and <laughs> with the boys, and we were, we were already in this secured area, so we couldn't leave, we couldn't do anything. We were there for f- just about four and a half hours, and we were just sitting. And I've got, I've got, I think I have a picture of it in my phone. I might have deleted it already, but I just took a picture and sent it to Hannah. You can see people are just like sprawled out, frustrated, irritated. Man, I don't like waiting for anything. If I go to a fast food restaurant, it should be fast food. I won't wait for it. Well, something broke. We'll fix it. That's what you're supposed to do. Like, I'm, I'm not here to wait. I'm here to pay, and you serve me right now. Man, let's be honest. None of us like waiting I don't like waiting for people and different things like that, but the truth is that when God says wait, that can be agonizing sometimes. Man, you pray for something and God doesn't say no right away. God doesn't say yes right away. Instead, he says wait. I think sometimes I would rather a no or rather the yes. All the time, I'd rather the yes. But hey, even in those times when God says wait, can you trust him? Can you trust God in the silence? Can you trust God in the waiting? But then God answers, sometimes God says yes. Don't you like those ones? Man, we all love the yes, but here's the principle today that we just need to understand that regardless of what the answer is, God will answer. Luke chapter 11, verses nine and 10, it says this, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth and to him that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Hey, what's the principle? You can rest assured. You can understand from the stories of of the word of God that during your dark season, God is listening and God is answering. What's the third thought that we could walk away with today? Well, that is this. You can rest assured in this, that we have a God who is present. Hey, you have a God who is present. Notice, if you will, verse number 14 down through verse number 17. It says, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias uh, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In this, what are we reading? We're reading Gabriel tells telling Zechariah, hey, listen, the child that you are going to have, that you and your wife are going to have, he is prophesied in Malachi chapter number three. Now, they were not giving birth to the Messiah. They were giving the birth to John. We would know him in scripture, John the baptizer, John the Baptist. What was he? Well, the Bible refers to him as the forerunner. What does that mean? Well, he was the one that the Bible said there would be one, Malachi chapter three, there would be one that would be born that would go before the Messiah. The same generation that that one would be born in, the Messiah would be born in. And that one would go and pave the way and preach the word so that hearts would be tender. And here's what Zechariah heard that day. Hey, the prophecy that was given 450 years ago to Malachi, that's your son. Hey, Zechariah, you guys are going to play a part in raising the one that will clear the path for the Messiah. What do I read when I read that? What I, what I simply read from 
in this passage is God saying to Zechariah, hey, I have not been absent from your situation. Zechariah, I've been here all along. Zechariah, you think that things have been silent. You think that I haven't been working. Zechariah, you guys, you and Elizabeth think that I haven't listened. You think that I haven't heard. You think that I haven't been answering. Hey, you as a Jewish people, you think that I've forsaken you and forgotten you. You think that I've just left you here to die and I'm gonna let you just uh, uh, erode under the, the rule of Rome. But you've missed it because I've been present. I'm present the entire Hey, in your dark seasons, you, 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 do you know what you and I need to know is we need to know that God has not and he will not abandon you. You can hold to and you can cling to the presence of God. I've shared this story before, but really when I think of this, this is the, the illustration, the story that always comes to my mind. We were staying at a hotel in Oregon years ago. Uh, Dennis was probably seven or eight years old. Lena, she was six or seven, and Micah, four or five. And you know, when you get a hotel room, when you have the, the kids, when they're young, you just, you just buy one hotel room, two beds, you throw all the kids on one bed, mom and dad get the other. And so we had this hotel, and we turned the kids, they, you know, they're not sleeping on the bed like you normally should, you turn them sideways so they can fit more, you know, just stack them in there like potato chips. And <coughs> And we were there at this hotel, and, and this particular hotel, um, I love these hotels, but this particular hotel, you know the hotels that have blackout curtains, and the room, when you turn the lights out, no matter if it's, if it's two o'clock in the afternoon, you turn the lights out, it's pitch black. You know what I'm talking about? Those dark, dark rooms. Well, we had got this, this room specific, or this room in particular, and we're there, we're getting ready for bed, and we tuck the kids in, and turn the lights out and crawl in bed. And after just, after just a few minutes, I hear this. <laughs> I'm like, man, what is going on? Who, who is whimpering? Who is crying? And then I hear, daddy. Yes, Lena. She goes, daddy, are you still there? Yeah, Lena, I'm, I'm still here. But, but Daddy, I, I can't see you. I said, well, I know, honey, the, the lights are off. We're gonna leave them off. It's nighttime. We're gonna go to bed. But listen, Daddy's just a few feet away from you. <sighs> okay. About three minutes went by. <sighs> Daddy? Yes, Lena. Are you still there? Yes, Lena, I'm just three feet away from you. Okay. A few minutes later, <laughs> Daddy? That went on for about 30 minutes until she fell asleep. And we laugh now, and Lena, she's almost 16. This wasn't last week, just so you know. <laughs> but here you, have a, here you have a little four or five-year-old in the dark, wondering, where's Dad? Dad hadn't moved. He was present the whole time. It was just the darkness had shielded her vision from seeing dad. Hey, you know what happens in your life and my life? Sometimes the darkness that we're in just shields our vision from seeing God. And you know what you can do in those times? You can cry out, God, are you still there? You know what God will say every time? 
yeah, I'm still here. Hey, the darkness is shadowing. The darkness is crowding me out, but I'm still here. The simple thought is this, that in your times of darkness, God is ever-present. He will not abandon you. He will not quit on you. What's the last thought that we see? The last one is this. In our times of darkness, God is working. We have a God who is working. We won't read the verses, but if you were to go from verse 19 down through verse number 25, what you find is the angel telling Zechariah, hey, Zechariah, you're going to have a baby. And Zechariah, the Bible says that Zechariah has a spirit of doubt. Zechariah, he's there and the angel, I mean, think about it. The angel appears. I don't know how it happened. I don't know if there was like, oh. I don't know what took place. I don't know what happened, but the angel's there. Zechariah is fearful for his life. The angel says, fear not. Man, God has heard you. God is answering you. You're gonna give, your, your wife's gonna give birth to, to this baby that's gonna be the precursor for the Messiah. And here's Zechariah's response. Prove it. That's Zechariah's response. Prove it. And Gabriel, you go read it. I love the verses. Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I don't need to prove it. God said it. But Zachariah, since you're not believing me, you're going to be dumb. You're going to be, be mute. You're going to be unable to speak until the day the baby is born. It's right about then that if I'm Zachariah, I'm like, I'm sorry. Nope, there's no doubt here. We're good. We're good. But he's mute until the day the baby is born. And we'll see all of that in a few weeks. But here's what I want us to simply understand. That through all of this, Gabriel Gabriel says to Zechariah, you don't need to doubt. You just need to believe. What was Zechariah doubting? He was doubting that God was at work. Zechariah was doubting the message that Gabriel had given. Zechariah was in doubt that God was working. He was saying, no, this can't be. And you know what happens in your life and in my life that sometimes, sometimes our doubt, our doubt comes because we don't believe God is working. We look at a situation, you look at a loss, you look at a heartache, you look at your time of darkness and you go, there's no good in this. There is no hope in this situation. There is no, there is no answer in this. God, is, you know what? God has abandoned me. God, he's not only not present, but he doesn't have a plan. And although we may not say it, in our heart sometimes we have this doubt that says, God, you've, you've lost it. God, you've lost control. There's an old saying um, about a Christian's testimony. The saying is this, that the darker the night, the brighter the light. Okay, that's the saying. The darker the night, the brighter the light. I think there could be another saying for a Christian during times of darkness and times of trial. And here's what I think. The darker the trial, the deeper the doubt. Because dark times cause deep doubts. Dark times 
They, they shield us like that darkness shielded me from Lena. That darkness shields us from the presence of God. And often that darkness shields us from the working hand of God. What did Zechariah hear? Well, Zechariah heard the angels say, hey, God spoke it so you can trust him. Hey, you don't need to doubt God's word. You know, in our times when we feel that we are on the outside looking in, our times when we feel that we are in a dark place, we don't have an angel that's speaking to us telling us we can trust God. Do you know what we have? We have scripture. Peter actually said it this way. Peter said that the scripture can be more helpful in our lives than the transfigured Christ. This is what Peter was talking about. Peter went on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus in all of his glory. Later in the book of Peter, Peter said, we have a more sure word. What is he saying? Hey, you are given some great promises. You are given some great truths. And what you and I need to do during our dark seasons of doubt, during our dark seasons of trust, during our dark seasons of life, we need to not allow those seasons to cause us to doubt, but instead we need to allow them to draw us into God's presence, into his word. Why? So that we can be reminded that God is listening. We can be reminded God is hearing. We can be reminded that God is present. And we can be reminded ultimately that God is working. And the truth is today that God assures us of his working. God's word assures us, assures us of his working, even in our dark seasons. Hey, God's word is what you can go to, to say, I am still in control. In Luke chapter one, Zechariah and the people of Israel, they are feeling forsaken. They're feeling forgotten. The whole country's in a time of despair. And then God shows up and he reminds Zechariah and he reminds us today. In our dark seasons, be reminded that God is listening to you. God wants to answer you and he will answer you. God is present. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't quit on you. And God is at work. And although you may not see it yet, you can trust your God. I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13 when it says these words. It says, there hath no temptation. The word temptation there, it can mean trial, testing. No temptation taken you, such as is common to man. What's the next four words? But God is, what's the word? Faithful. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Hey, can I tell you, in your dark seasons, in your darkness, you can rest assured that God is still here and God is still working. Now, I just share with you my heart today. I plan these series, if you know me, months in advance. I plan to start Luke chapter number one today all the way back in October of last year. So I set out Luke chapter one, March 12th. But you know what? I think God helped us do that. And here's why. Because you may not need this message, but I know I do. Hey, I'll be honest. You want to ask Pastor Dennis, hey, Pastor Dennis, where have you been the last few weeks? 
I've felt I've been in darkness. Man, our family's been through so much loss in 16 months. Heartache after heartache. Tell you, I could, I'm not gonna sit here and, and try to, I, I'm not trying to get pity at all, but I hope you understand that. I'm just trying to tell you where I am, where I was. And as I've prayed over the, the course of the last few weeks, I've prayed everything. I've prayed, God, why? I've prayed, God, what's going on? I've prayed, God, why another death? I've prayed, God, why him? God, what's, man, my, my prayers have been everywhere. But can I tell you today that these four principles that I'm giving to you right now, they are four principles that have stood out to me over the course of heartache of 18 months. There are times when I feel like my prayer is falling on deaf ears, but you know what God says, Dennis, it's not. I'm listening. There are times when I feel like I'm not getting answered and I get the answer no and I don't like it, but God says, hey, can you trust me in the answer? And there are times that I pray, I may get an answer, but I don't think, I think, God, did you forget us? You know, God has said, hey, I'm still here. Oh, the darkness has crowded me out. You can't see me, but I'm still here. And there are times that God has said, Dennis, I'm still working. And so today, really just, I, I, I wanna take off the pastor hat. Because you expect a pastor to be like, oh, I got the answers, let's do this. If I, if I could just be very transparent with you this morning, my heart's broken. I've hurt more in the last 18 months than I have in my entire life. But God is faithful. And so I want to tell you this morning, just as a testimony of our God, I don't know what you're going to face. I don't know what lies around the corner for me. I don't. If you're in a dark season right now, catch these. God is listening to you. God will answer you. God is present and God is working. If you've been through a dark season, testify to someone else those four principles. God is listening. God will answer. God is present and God is working. If you come to a trial this week, get to the word and remind yourself God is listening. God is answering. God is present and God is working. Because in your darkness, he has never left you.